1: I'm Laurel Langmeier. I'm uh, known as the millionaire maker. These whole books here wrote five New York Times. I actually have 42 books. Uh, you only take that run, which honestly, we'll talk about that because you know when I took the run, maybe a couple hundred thousand people were publishing. Right now, everybody publishes. Everyone's an author. Yeah. And the distinction is just like social media is completely different. So I teach people how to make money. I'm self-made. I grew up on a farm in Nebraska. No conversation. Think and Grow Rich was my first pivotal book that was like, oh, these are my people, this is a conversation that makes sense to me because the other one didn't. And how did I get on the journey? Got sick of uh, hanging out with people who were doing it that old way. I just have never been excited about having a job. I never like wanted to be that person. I never wanted an MBA massive bad attitude behind my name. I just wanted to get rich. I wanted freedom. Um, I didn't know what that meant and I think a lot of people actually don't know what that means. And I just kept walking the path. I think uh, determination and knowing the feeling and lifestyle and wanting to buy whatever I want whenever I want was how I wanted to live. I had, no, I had no path to it, which is probably why I got excited about writing my books and creating a path. There is a path. There is a system. There's a way to do it.
2: There are principles.
1: There are principles. Yeah. Really strong principles.
2: So. In your journey through entrepreneurialism, you had a few different focuses. You started with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You You know, I started
1: way back. So first I started working my way through college. So I was a personal trainer and aerobics instructor because I didn't want to get a job. I had a job for like two minutes. I said, this isn't going to work. And I was at the gym all the time anyway. So, uh, you know, you just slap on a little leotard and pay a lot of money to run around and you just do more push-ups than them. So that was kind of interesting. And then I raised my rates, which was interesting. So somebody at the gym said... So are you certified? And I'm like, absolutely. You know, that next weekend I got certified. So I think that's what a lot of people think is there has to be this laid out plan because you know what it, it relates to, Alexandra is the, the structure of how we go through school and that you're going to have this whole plan. And they actually give you a curriculum for four years and people park hundreds of thousands of dollars on this curriculum to get through college. But they won't park any money on learning about money there isn't a curriculum or there hasn't been a curriculum. I feel like I've done probably the best shot at an integrated conversation for that money conversation. But the promise of everybody thinking they're going to know how to do it is never going to happen in entrepreneurialism. And there's just going to be this you know, jagged journey. And I think part of the principles and discipline is just continue to say yes. And figure out who knows how to help you and just keep asking for help and keep that journey. So I didn't know what certification meant, so I went out and got certified, right? And then uh, I got through my degree, which is finance degree, and thought, well, what are my choices? Working at a bank, working at a financial institute, not doing that. So I do what everybody else does that don't want to get a job. I got a master's degree, but in exercise physiology, I thought, well, I'll just change the topic. So I got a master's in exercise physiology and started working with companies, again, just making... I do MSU, make shit up. Um, so I uh, was at a bank, working in the investment banking division just part-time, so I wanted to see how rich people invested. And noticed that they didn't have a fitness center. Talked to HR and I said, why are you having all these unhealthy people walking around, smoking, back injuries, standing all day, being tellers, blah, blah, blah. Drinking Coke. Yeah, drinking Coke. I said, eat donuts all the You know, they bring donuts in the morning, typical bank stuff. I said, give me 20 grand and I'll build a fitness center down in the conference room. And that was my first fitness center. I just made, made, it, made it up with the bank president. He's like, all right, if anybody uses it, he said, it's 20 grand, no big deal. And I had that place packed. They had to blow out the whole conference room. I had the whole bank working out that transitioned me totally into corporate fitness and then I just would go to company to company to company made stuff up I said it's going to cost you this much I can put it in that conference room and then we started building fitness centers for blue collar companies so I became an expert at back injury prevention got a bunch of physical therapists and chiros on my team and we made hundreds of thousands of dollars 21, 22, 23 during my master's program just making up how to you just see niches and I think part of I think some entrepreneurs you're the same we have Visions and things are given to us. I mean, it's just the download, you know, from the universe is just, it doesn't stop. And I also know it's because we keep doing it. You know, we keep executing. It continues to be given where I see a lot of entrepreneurs are given so much knowledge and resources and don't do a damn thing with it. That's a big spiritual thing on Parker. It's huge. It's so huge. So people say, how did you make that up? It just keeps coming.
2: One step at a time. Yes. I think one of the core values that we hold at Measurable Genius is um, we embody incremental progress. Yes. And I've spent a lot of work. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time working with John Demartine and other mentors. And one of the common threads that I've observed among empowered people is two parts. They work with what's real right now. Absolutely. Right. They work with what's real right now. And when they work with what's real, they do only the next thing that they know they can do. They see the trajectory. They're willing to create a vision for trajectory, but unlike, not attached, right? Unlike unlike the rest of the world, for some reason, there's a a principle in entrepreneurialism. Yeah. Like, so we're trained in school, you know, set the goal 12 fucking years from now. And you you know, how do you, how do you even track that? How How do you track that? So it's, that's, that's key. Like, what do you believe gave you the certainty or allowed you to be present with the idea of it's okay that I just do the next step? Like, what is that for you? Why are you and I able to do that? Why do so many people struggle? All the time. Like, they're thinking, I need to be fucking perfect. If I can't have a Tesla, I don't want to buy the Ford. I want that now. The world owes me the something. The Ford moves you. Right. It
1: starts moving. Just move. Right. You know, I think that part of it, so there's a mission beyond yourself, right? I think we both know that we're contributing, even though we're contributing here and now. I'm going to say the, as uh, Buckminster Fuller said, right, the ripple effect is caused in action beyond what anything we could imagine. It just, it
2: occurs. So there's a faith
1: there. Oh, there's a massive faith.
2: Okay. So d- d- but it's not that.
1: like faith, like, you know, the, the Catholic and Christian community says, you know, oh, God, help me. That can be, to me, that's desperation. That's not faith. Okay. That's like, you know, it's pathetic. And not that I don't believe in that. I think that you have to cause what it is you want, and what you want can be tomorrow, which still causes the ripple. Versus that big goal setting. But I think so many people are contaminated by that educational structure of, I need to know my four-year curriculum. Can you make me a millionaire in three to five years? I don't know. I don't know how you behave. If you behave properly, you'll get there.
2: Yeah, does (laughs) your product suck? I don't know.
1: Right, and does it actually do anything for anybody? And are you actually going to get off your ass every morning and do sales calls? Do you actually believe what you're doing? So what, God, that's a really good question. What causes me to do it? I just do it.
2: Well, okay, Um, but why do you believe in yourself? Because, like, you know, you talk faith. Okay, tell me about that. You started on a farm. Like, what evidence did you have?
1: Oh, I was always extremely successful. So I had parents that pushed the hell out of me, which was interesting, because the older two, we were pushed, 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 pushed. Very young parents. My parents were teenagers. I said they were babies having babies. So, I mean, I was in everything. My dad was a great athlete. I was running. I was shooting 200 baskets today. I was riding horses. Uh, I think because they were teenage, I mean, I'm totally making this shit up. This is what I think looking back. Why they were so intense about having us at everything and being excellent at everything? I think because you know they were sophomores and juniors having babies and had you know my mom had to drop out of school because they wouldn't let pregnant women go to school back then. So I think they imposed what they wanted to do for their life onto us, right? And it, I mean we were pushed beyond limits. So I mean I would win races. I still have. This is the funniest thing. People say what's some other thing you're proud of? So I ran so much. I still have from my ninth grade year the school record in the 440. Isn't that funny, after all these years? I mean, I graduated, what, 1983, and here we are 2017, and no little legs have beat my legs. I mean, I think that's quite odd. So I just, I was pushed very, very hard by parents. Um, that's the only reason I could make up why I was pushed so hard. But then that just became an addictive behavior. Like,
2: Well, you learned to take on challenges.
1: Well, and succeed. We had not just goals, we won. I mean, it was never enough to be number two. And so I just took on that really young. Really young, like I played. The, this is other funny little thing, like and I was in everything because we were in a small community. So like I played five instruments, so we could have a band. I played the drums. So we had a marching band. I played in symphony orchestra with a French horn for fourteen years. I mean, I've done so much shit. So I think it just became a master of a lot of things, but then a master of none. So when I finally got to college, where it was kind of my life, my choice, fitness was always my thing, and I just excelled at all of that, which if I went on for a long time. Because I had the finance degree is how the corporate fitness stuff came because I needed to use that analytical side of my brain so I could analyze how unhealthy people would affect a company's bottom line. And so I would put those numbers together at 21, 22 and say, you know, you give me a hundred grand to build a fitness center, I'll save you millions in healthcare and I could prove it. And you had certainty in that. I had certainty because I, so yeah, so the evidence is that I always had a result. Yeah. So I could lean into the results. Even when things get fucked up in my life now and things aren't working and it's not all the time that everything you know is working. 2008 happened. Holy shit. Cash flow went to hell. You can rely on evidence that I did it before. I'll do it again. I did it before. I'll do it again. And you just rely on that. And the more evidence I think you put in your bank, not just bank, but life, bank, yeah. life experience, like I was 34 when I got pregnant right? I'm going, holy shit. You know, he wasn't going to be a father. I knew I was going to be a mom. I'd already gone the other route. I wasn't going to do that again. I thought, yeah, I'm just going to figure it out. I had no idea how to figure it out. But it's like, I've been here before. I can figure out anything. So there's a faith and a trust. But I do think it's because when you have success and you can rely on it, depend on it, I just I lean back into that. You get stronger and stronger and stronger.
2: So I think there's an opportunity here for me to bring up the idea that um, a lot of people are setting goals for themselves where they don't perceive they're successful. And a principle that I really work hard to help my clients see clearly and anyone listening to this podcast is that most people are setting goals that are not achievable for them because they've subordinate to some fantasy of what life should be like or who they should be like or what someone else's life is like. And they go and they try to live someone else's life. And so whether that was your parents' genius, where they were aligning your challenging circumstances with things where they felt that you enjoyed it, so you were willing to endure it and then be successful in it. I think there's a really strong lesson in that that says, if you're setting goals that are congruent with what's truly most important to you, you have a higher probability to take on the challenges sure. to achieve that, therefore achieve those goals. And John would say that and, whenever and I would you would, say achieve and win. Sorry, right, achieve and win. win. Sure. Achieve
1: and win. Not just achieve them, like win at them. Yeah,
2: like step outside like your be comfort the best, zone. Adam. Yeah, so I think like that's that's really really amazing. Like as a business owner starts to set and achieve meaningful goals instead of setting and achieving bullshit goals which you'll never achieve anyway they give themselves permission to play a bigger game. Have you experienced that to be true for you as well? always. So do you feel that that was by accident that you just had the genes or you just ended up in a circumstance where you were able to take on challenges aligned with your values, or do you think your parents helped to put you there?
1: I think originally they helped put me there. I'm pretty strong-willed. I think actually most people are strong-willed. I think they get weak over time because they keep doing the, you know, hitting their head on a wall and getting bruised and not moving. So maybe you should hit a different wall.
2: (laughs) Try something
1: else. <laughs> Try something else you're bleeding to death. Yeah. It's not really working. So I think uh, they did it consciously, but I also knew what I wanted and did what I didn't want. You know, I call my mentoring program as Big Table, like it's seven. I mean, if you ask my mom, I was a pretty strong-willed child raised. So I went and sat literally out of the little tables and the card tables, you know, from the big family at the adult table because I knew I would take that conversation early on. So I think part of it is your DNA and how your character was born, but also putting yourself in situations. Like I knew... But 18, 19 years old? I didn't know how I was going to pay for it, but I knew the conversation, like I knew enough from Think and Grow Rich, so I would seek out things. So I think the other thing, too, is I seek help a lot, and I love being mentored and coached, so do you. I mean, we love, we're pursuers of knowledge and new ways and, and thinking. So, I mean, it was like, I don't know, nineteen twenty when I met Bob Proctor, I came up with $25,000 on my ass. I had no idea I was gonna pay for it, but I knew I wanted that community of people. Although they were all 20 years my senior, I wanted that community of people, like personal development, breakthroughs, all this kind of new language that I was learning from the farm. So I'm always in pursuit of new. Mm. Always in pursuit of new. And then I think it continues to be strengthened by the success and confidence and evidence, I call it. I have a hell of a lot of evidence.
2: That's a critical thing, I think that you can find evidence in your life to support really anything you want to believe. You can. And I know that a lot of people who are perceiving themselves as disempowered or feeling like they're unsuccessful, they have a tendency to find look their, for evidence to support that. Absolutely, self-fulfilling. What would you recommend that someone can do to free themselves from that or break that cycle and step out and start looking for I think,
1: you know, I, I speak of it more and more and more because I'm watching so many people do that. And as you get older in life, you know, I just passed the 50 mark and I'm seeing more and more people say, I'm too old, like, like I got the next 50. We're like, let's go.
2: I mean, medical technologies. Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, we're going to live to hundreds. So it's interesting to watch how many people at certain benchmarks, like my kids are gone, I'm now 50, or I've just had kids, like they will find the evidence to be right about being still, Right. about being still, and then they get to be right about it. The self-fulfilling, I don't even understand that because I just don't, you know, I like having my ass kicked. So I put myself in situations to be held accountable to see new things to offer new opportunities um, what would I say to people so modeling I think you've got to model I think the fastest way that I've ever learned is I get next to the very person that I want to be like I mean close like I went to Bob Proctor's house because right. he kept saying at 21 you know, you need to get your life supported I'm like I'm 21 single I rent an apartment I mean, what kind of help do I need yes. and then all day long we developed Expression of Your Power which is still one of our most powerful you know, programs and all we did is work all day at the table create design flip chart and all day we're served and taken care of right somebody you know brought us little snacks and then lunch and then dinner and we worked for probably 15 16 hours and it's amazing energetically which is the other thing I think people need to learn this distracting energy that people do all day because they don't energy manage but to be focused i mean the energy actually builds and builds i mean that we developed the most extraordinary program in one day unfocused and uninterrupted i mean are focused and uninterrupted because we allowed our lives to be supported and so i went home and i never cleaned my house since i hired a house creeper. i don't want to cook i don't like to cook i don't i won't i mean i do the most minimal ask my kids <laughs> and it's fine so i think part of it is learning early and modeling but every place i go I, I model like if somebody's doing something i want to do like right now the equity crowdfunding space is hot so what i do i got myself in the equity crowdfunding stage as a main keynote i don't know I got myself on five stages this year that most people said you'd never be because you're a woman and it's a male space Well, I'm on it. So I said probably ungodly goals that most people don't think and I'm willing to get help. I'm willing to pay for help.
2: And you believe in your own value.
1: No, absolutely. Yeah. But again, that comes from evidence. And evidence right, from the, the standpoint I knew that there's my results, right? I mean, if you got a result and then you continue to get a result.
2: I think a lot of people lower their sense of self-worth by doing low-priority bullshit. You just mentioned don't I don't them. I don't do my own cleaning. And I don't know how to prove this principle, but to me it's proven when I do low-priority bullshit, things that I perceive to be less valuable than what I'm worth, my sense of value goes down. And yeah. to the degree that I lower my sense of self-worth or the worth of my company by doing low-priority bullshit because I've told myself a story, I can't afford it, again, looking for evidence... That's a never-ending downward spiral.
1: Yeah, well, and it's easy to look for evidence. You should look just like your checkbook, depending on what day. (laughs) Anybody could do that.
2: I can find any reason to get upset in in a day. Like, any reason. Like, there's days I wake up and I'm just like, I'm going to be mad today. (laughs) You know? And it's just, I don't have to wait too long to find the first thing. (laughs) No,
1: you actually don't have to get out of bed. Right.
2: You could make quite a list. Yeah, it'd be like, you know, I just make the decision to stay in bed and now I'm mad. (laughs) Right? I mean, we all do that. But the question is, so, like, when someone has gone through the process of lowering their self-worth or doesn't honor their self-worth, and then they hear you say something like... But but everybody does that. Everybody does it, but then they hear you you say something like, go get a cleaner, and that person is like, whoa, I don't afford it. What would you suggest they do? What can they do right there in that moment of, I can't afford it?
1: Go sell something that's of high worth.
2: Go sell something. Okay.
1: Because, you know, cash is a big part of people's lives, and sales is... What causes that to happen or create some evidence about your worthiness again, right? I can look at those books and remind myself
2: how are what they I've are? Done. I have clients. I know when they haven't sold something in a while because their tech support calls go up. I'm the evidence they're complaining. They're like, well, I'm not making money. Whose fucking you? fault is it? Right. <laughs> it's the computer's you. broken. The, the website funnels fucked. It must be something else outside of me. Right. So oh, it's like you. when my clients start using periods, <laughs> I know they haven't sold something in a little while.
1: Yeah. But that's really true. I mean, I think the, uh, and I wrote about it in the US Energy book too, is like uh, you can easily pick on your entire day. Like there's a, there's a couple consultants in the world right now that are just hitting it really big and I just can't even stand them because I think they're just so low worth. So what they will do is they'll come in they'll give you 150 things that they could do that you should be aware of inside your company. You see, if I'm kidding, I could do that in one hour. I said I could put my team around me and in one hour come up with 150 things I should probably fix. But that's not going to help fix them. Right? So it's focusing on things you can do. So it's back to our original conversation of what's in the day, what's the next thing. I remember last August, I walked into a seminar where I had other people to work for me at the point, and I was just beyond furious. So this can't be what it is. I didn't know where I was going to take it or what it was going to become, but it's back in full steam, and the evidence is coming, right? You just start seeing it. So when you say you can't even goal set, I think you can goal set maybe three to six months. With technology, you're damn lucky if you can do it in a year, and you don't know your team, you don't know where you're going to be. Plus, I think long-term goal setting doesn't allow for any flexibility of what you want.
2: Scaling up Rockefeller Habits, they Mm -hmm. say explicitly, you have a BHAG, 25 years, maybe some five-year objectives, and then you have a three-month specific plan, and anything between that three months and the five or the 25 years is a, a guess. Huge guess, yeah.
1: right? I mean, Gates calls it throwing spaghetti on the wall, right? You just throw a whole bunch of shit on the wall and hope something sticks.
2: Yeah, which isn't the same as predicting, though, right? Because nope. you can predict industry trends, and we can predict right. where a market closing. might go. Right. But, but it's know, very, knows. very difficult to determine, like, what specifically is your business going to look like? Right. Because you have to respond to the market. Quickly. Yeah. So tell us a bit about wealth. we talked about business. Principles of wealth building. A business owner has a business. A lot of the people that we work with and our audience are business owners who have a product. They have served customers. They're right. operating... What can they do to escape, for example, that level where they're feeling run by their business instead of them running their business? What can they do in terms of wealth?
1: So heading back from August to what I call the Millionaire Maker Principles, and really you know, what made me a millionaire, what made millionaires, and then there was this gap where honestly, I just stayed in the teaching people to make money phase too long. So to that point, what I found with most business owners is they don't put enough money away
2: not saving enough they don't invest okay
1: yeah so now i just save but then put it to work yeah right so when you make it invest and make it invested so there's a percent all the time going into investment dollars that will provide them a different path to the business being the only cash flow it's critical like you know so hard rules about you know if you make 500,000 you know whether it's 50,000 20,000 i don't care if it's 2,000 but in the pattern of putting money toward investment dollars paying yourself first Absolutely. But in very specific, you know, double-digit return investments. So I don't find that they invest outside. They keep putting all their money back into the company. Real estate people do the same thing. They're over-leveraged in real estate. They don't have enough diversity in other, you know, markets. So investing would be the first thing I would tell business owners. And then the other piece, which is shocking to me, is how many business owners operate outside of a corporate structure. They're sole proprietor, sole trader. Companies make money. It is proven. It's not even a fact. It's not even a suggestion. (laughs) Right, So when I find somebody who's making hundreds of thousands or even a million and they're still a sales trader and they're not using limited company or uh, America LLCs or C-Corps, A, I don't even know how the hell they made it that far. But the amount of money that they're overpaying in taxes is extraordinary and there's no coverage for the wealth they're building, so why even do it? Right. It's just shocking. Yeah. So I would say... Make sure that you are incorporated properly, maximize taxes, and get your money invested. You know, so I have got come up with this matrix, and it's interesting how many people say, so do you make it, keep it, invest it with the team in order? I said, no, you do it all at once. So you're making the money inside your company. You're investing at the same. Like, it's all simultaneous action, which causes the business owner to get out of their own way. I and mean, really provide them more money.
2: Really, it would only be in order at the beginning, because I'm assuming there's Correct. some momentum to it. And so, so exactly. as you speed that momentum up, eventually...
1: Well, and I would even even if there's a little bit that they're putting away, they got to do something to that back to become more on the business versus in the business. It's sales, right? It's sales. It's team getting the right team. I think a lot of beginning business owners. I mean, I think we're all been a party to it. You hire what you can afford.
2: It's hard to take a risk
1: versus what you
2: need, right? right? So, 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 so hiring low, for example, instead of hiring the right person at a premium. Oh yeah, I just had
1: conversations today with you know folks who are hiring, you know, people that I already know. super substandard and it's like oh, they're gonna just waste money and time yeah just hire what you need
2: totally yeah i mean i think a lot of business owners are like oh i don't know do i spend two thousand dollars on a website that does fucking nothing or do i spend twenty thousand dollars over a year to build a machine that makes me cash online Mm -hmm. right and that that it comes from context and from faith and from being able to see far out and i think not just believing what you're told either right how can a business owner transcend the bullshit in the marketplace how do they know who to hire who not to hire like
1: but it's network with the people that you want to be like and who've already made it so you selected a mentor there's too much networking amongst peers incestuous it's disgusting well it's the way they get to be and here's what I find with a lot of people you know they're the biggest in their pond but they're too scared to jump in the ocean I'd say that's the majority of entrepreneurs Right. they're the biggest fish in their little pond, but they won't jump in the ocean with the big whales.
2: You know what? And I'm I think to death to live. I think they all know what they should do next. Actually, because I I work with a lot of business owners, That's some of the true. different stages, and oftentimes they'll come to the same meeting over and over and over again with the same problem. And my response to them, and I'll just use a specific example without naming them, is <laughs> they kept coming and they kept coming. They're like, "I'm not making any money. I'm not making any money. I'm doing my affirmations. I'm doing my spiritual work. I'm doing my marketing work. I'm da 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 da. Like I'm just trying to find new customers, but." They're focusing on operations. They're not doing the one activity. And oftentimes, I just look them in the face and say, listen, go fucking cold call, right? And in this example, he's like, fine. Like, he finally got to the point. I had said it to him like three times. I was like, go fucking cold call. He's like, okay, fine. I don't think it's going to work or whatever. started making cold calls and he went from doing zero hours. He's made his quota this month of now doing 350 service hours a month. And he would be like, I love calling. I love it. Even if they're not
1: cold calling, they're warm calling from that database. But again, if you become peers and friends, right? So people say, well, I do not hang out and become peers and friends because I'm not a peer and a friend. I'm a mentor. And you're going to pay for my time.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So I don't do a lot of that. Like women with, you know, sometimes, oh, here's my business card. Let's go have a lunch or wine or coffee. He said, no, give me your credit card and we'll begin.
2: Right. Yeah. You know, my time is money.
1: (laughs) But a lot of people don't have that. You know, they'll do the whole rapport you don't need the report you have the result I want I'll pay for it and a lot of people won't pay for it and the other thing too I'm going to talk about convenience I think a lot of business owners have like even here today in the room right geo target well I can't come to your workshop because I'm doing something else that weekend well they get on a fucking airplane come I
2: mean, to the place where the workshop is yeah,
1: yeah. like it, it, we have it every month it's just you get on the plane We got like, are you kidding I'm going to like for your you know, small tuition I'm going to come you and no, I don't think so
2: do you find that there's but a the dis- convenience
1: factor of business owners it's ridiculous
2: I was going to address that. So one of the things that I've observed is a lot of business owners come to the market thinking, you have to guarantee my results, right? They go to a specialist or a website guy or SEO person. They come to us as a technology firm or business transformation firm. And they're like, um, how are you going to guarantee me my results? And so we do a lot of Facebook ad stuff. And the thing about Facebook is there's four variables and we control all of them, right? We control the product. We control who we're targeting in terms of audience. We control the headline and copy and we're controlling the ad spend. Like we control all four of those and we can figure out who the audience should be. We can figure out if the headline and the copy is working. We can figure out if our targeting is accurate. And then we're going to find out if your product doesn't suck. Right. And only after those four things does it become predictable to spend money on Facebook ads. But yet the customer often comes to the table thinking, if I hire you, I'm shifting accountability from my business to you. Right. And the same thing I think goes with education, right? They're thinking, well, I paid you for this program. How come my life isn't different? And I think that it's It's really important to communicate to entrepreneurs like I'm facilitating your experimentation, particularly as a business transformation company, I'm facilitating your experimentation. There's best practices. There's certain ways you should absolutely configure Facebook. There's certain principles in how we can convert on a website or a landing page. There's principles to human behavior. But we're experimenting within the context of your product, your offer, your marketing, your message, your brand, your personal style, whether people fucking like you or not, whether you're personable, whether you even give a shit about them, or if you're just trying to make money, like none of that is in our control. What would you say to the business owner who's listening to this thinking, oh, fuck, that's me? Get responsible for your own shit. Right? And I would also say, (laughs) if you're feeling that way, you're probably selling shit that's not important. Exactly. I see all of that as feedback that you're selling something or your business isn't totally built in a way where you will it. No, and
1: I've been through those phases. I mean, you know, anybody's watched me for almost two decades. I mean, the further away I got from being, like I'm very involved. I mean, right now I'm probably more involved, but we're also on a trajectory of more investment dollars, more investment projects, more fun. But I've also gotten really clear, like if you're not willing to get mentored and coached and learn this conversation, I don't care how much money you have. Like today, some lady pitched me, I want you to invest in my thing. I said, then invest in the mentoring program because you don't even know this conversation. Right? So if you're not willing to lean in and learn and have a, the right conversation, I'm not interested at all. So having rules around that, but like I see most of my clients have my cell phone and text, you know, and some of my most senior A-lister mentors told me to do it. They said most people that will be respectful, and they'll never abuse it. And the baby's like, oh, nobody gets my phone. Because I used to be that person. You know, no one's going to get my cell phone. Everybody's going to bother
2: me. I'm this private individual. You have to fucking get access through my bodyguard. I'll tell you, the
1: further I got away, and I put a team, even though they were millionaires and they were really good coaches, they weren't me. They didn't have the experience and the depth and the breadth of the care, right? And we went through a lot of rocky shit. Look at the internet. I got shit all over the internet. would love to talk about that, too. So... You know, get really clear what your goals are, what your mission is. You can always make excuses for everything and get responsible for it. Like at the end of the day, it's you, Mister, Miss, Biz, Donor out there. But there, I mean, there's a listers who. Why are they still on the circuit at seventy years old? Yeah, they have to be for cash flow because they never built their life right.
2: They didn't save and invest. They They didn't didn't build secondary income. They didn't
1: build any of that. So I think you got to get really, really. uh, I love your experimentation. You got to let people experiment. You got to ask for help.
2: What I, find the evidence. I like to push the accountability back oh, totally. because it proves if they truly value it. And I work with a lot of business owners yes. up front yeah. or, or I, when I'm qualifying a business owner, what I look for that I see all the time is people with a fantasy of what business ownership should be like like entrepreneurialism and hustle is the new fucking you know celebrity status of our generation, right? Like Gary Vee and these YouTube celebrities, right? People look at that they and they're selling? like, "Well, in his case, he's selling work, right?" Gary and he's Vee selling wine, and he's selling wine and he's selling his marketing company, but he works, right? He's not sitting in in VaynerMedia thinking, "I'm going to fucking get out of this place." He's thinking, "I'm going to be here till I'm dead." Right. And he has a scaling organization to prove it. I meet business owners time and time again who are saying to me before they've even started their business. The only reason I'm starting this business is to get out of it at the end and enjoy the benefits of oh, it. Got it. And my Sorry. response to them is like, good luck. It's not going to fucking yeah. work. Jobs did it until he died. Right. It doesn't fucking yeah. work. The minute a business owner decides he's done serving, entropy takes over. It's the craziest shit I've ever seen. And I'm sure you see this all well, that's the what
1: time. I just meant, like, The further I got away from it, yeah. the worse it became. The further I'm back into it, the bigger it's
2: become. Automatically. Automatically. And it's not because of the work you're doing. It's because there's some function in the universe... That provides the service and provides the focus. If you oh. care. If you care. Yeah.
1: And more than that. Back to your accountability. So... Here's one of the things that I would tell a lot of people, and I don't know if you do it in your contract, so when people say, well, are you going to guarantee me the result? And I say, well, here's the list of stuff you're going to do, and here's the stuff I'm going to do, sign the contract. So when they say, well, your stuff doesn't work, I said, did you do all this? 99% of the people who bitch on the internet about me are lazy, didn't do anything, didn't do their sales calls. Let's be honest, cash flow comes from sales. Whether you're going to do it or not, you've got to figure out how to sell people your service or product. So. That is one way that I push back accountability. It's like, well, did you do it? Well, no. Then why are we having a winding conversation again? About the same behavior that you want to justify. One day is going to be different because you're comfortable.
2: Or like, I'm not a therapist.
1: Oh, God, it. no. Therapy is like two minutes. Yeah.
2: So what do you want to talk about today?
1: Um, let's talk about the internet. Okay. What I call up it the bathroom wall. You can write anything about it. That's true. And more people write. You know, what I've, what I've learned to find out is anybody who's successful, even Gary Vee, even Tony Robbins... Oprah Brendan Burchard Brendan We all have shit They in all fact, do In fact if you, I we, Here's my new fun thing If you're not on a ripoff reporter scam You're not playing big enough
2: <laughs> John, John would say that To the John's degree you have too. support You're going to have challengers Right And no. he'll use Donald Trump As an example Right Donald Trump has supporters And challengers Right To the highest level. Right, and to the degree that you're willing to endure the challenges, the degree you'll you'll be able to attract and have the support. It's not the other way around. Everyone loves being supported. You have to be willing to stand up in the face of those challengers, and those challenges are proof of your success, so I'm all with you. I want to create all kinds of fucking enemies. If any of you want to come and start a fight... Like, come fight with me. Because I yeah. think that's the as shit, right? In fact, I intentionally create frenemies. You like, do. I'm like, well, I've picked some people in my industry. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking destroy you. I'm not really going to. But, like, I'd rather create and foster a sense of competition yeah. than wait for it well, to happen it creates a, co-
1: a creative conversation, it creates more stimulus around the conversation and more challenges. So, I love Trump as an example. Because you're so right. I mean, the amount of challenges that people knew, the challenges. I mean, there have been things throughout my career, my trajectory that I should have just stopped. There's just no way. At, tw- at one point after 2000, you know, seven, eight, nine. So people meet right in our community. You've been around live out loud. So I'll introduce you to so-and-so. So-and-so would meet you. You guys go do a deal together. That's your fault. It's my fault. So I, I live in lawsuits because I do introductions to people and I teach the conversation money. So and because I have a principle of not being going bankrupt, then I'm the last one standing. So you invest with Susie, Susie screws it up, she goes bankrupt. You have nowhere else to. Well, I'll go to law because she's still standing and I need my money back. And goddamn it, the economy went down and you know I should do it. And I'm speaking to several of those people who are big wimps out. They're still sitting on their ass whining behind the scenes. I just send a little cease and desist. And why don't you grow up and get a life? Because they don't. They're not willing to enjoy the challenges. So, I mean, that's a big one or I could have just laid it all down and just hit the B, big B button and said, fuck you guys. You know, you guys are irresponsible. I never told you to invest. I wasn't even the deal. I didn't even take your money. And no one could ever prove it, which is why I've walked from all of it. But that's a lot of the stuff that's out there. I mean, being a single mom, most people would have just ran home to Nebraska and say, I'm going to move in with mom and dad again. And make even, life easy. Make life easy. You know, I intentionally, the other thing too, um, and you said it on one of my videos, you said, you know, I love eating quality food. Living where I want. And you you just had this great phrase on one of my videos that we did. Is this a
2: video I've never seen yet? Oh,
1: it's so good. I
2: think it's the one I've never oh, seen. God, I, I mean filmed a video like two and a half fucking years ago. It's so good. They keep telling me how amazing it is. I never like, get to see it.
1: So one of the things I did early, early is I just lived in great places. So when I left Nebraska, like growing up like that, and I was invited to, you know, go in the offshore oil rigs and live in New Orleans. I lived in the French Quarter. I'm not going to live out in the burbs. where it's cheap. I'm not going to live in some stupid apartment. I'm going to live in some cool, eclectic little place. So from then on, and then when I started investing, so I realized, well, you're not going to really invest where you live. So, you know, I do really interesting little markets like Oklahoma and Kansas. So from then, then when I moved to L.A., I moved to Manhattan Beach. So I've always lived in, like, the coolest and expensive places to live. I so said, it's just funny that I said that because I haven't really put it together like that. So I invest where I wanted. I lived where, you know, I just wanted to always live. I don't know what was my point in telling you all that.
2: What but I was, was thinking long. to myself as you were saying that is that that's a way that you created accountability for yourself. Yeah. Right? Like I hire people because I'm a visionary, I'm a strategic master, like I love building businesses in my mind. I can see the workings of a business, I can pull the business apart, and I can put systems in place that will run the people and the technology to achieve the result. But if you ask me to build a website, I will sit in front of my computer and procrastinate. And that's just like my values. Well, it's because so you don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I and perceive it as a lower value it. activity. And so there's a whole bunch of reasons. And so my business started to grow the most when I acknowledged that hiring people created an accountability system for me to create yep. and take the actions yep. necessary. That's what I was
1: saying about why I left. Yeah. Thank you. You yeah. reminded me. Yeah. So I was always accountable. I mean, I, I lived in very expensive places to produce the money right. for You have it. to go work now and, and make the And the money. accountability. And the thing I want to go back to that, I think is really important because I haven't framed it like that. But... I love doing three things. I love teaching, I love marketing, and I love selling. And when I put selling, I put that also in the capital raising. I love raising capital and, you know, being that investor energy and the deal making energy. And anything below that is like a lower value
2: task. I mean, and you again, can make how can much per hour work. doing that stuff? The tens, it's, it's, tens it's, it's, six figures, of the, seven figures sometimes, right? It's so it's how insane. do you do an $80 an hour job and feel good about yourself?
1: Well, and here's the, thing the, for, the for people listening, because I think some people hear it as arrogant the people who clean my house they love to they, they love that that's what their business is it is not so for them that is their highest priority activity right and it's our priority activity to do what we're doing so we can pay them like i don't want to build a website i don't want to write i wrote 42 books i've never typed a day in my life of that i don't want to do it right somebody can do it and you can hire other people to do it
2: there's a principle that says maximum complexity can only be managed by maximum simplicity And so the irony of a business owner who believes he should be doing busy work or complex bullshit is that he's actually robbing himself of the opportunity for growth. The only way for someone to truly be able to run a company like Apple, like Steve Jobs, is to become as maximally simple a person as he could be, right? You can only focus on three things. If you're focusing on a million things, then you don't have the brain power, the attention, the decision-making faculties to lead and to govern those systems. So... I think a lot of business owners hold them back because they feel like they have to justify their position. I mean, I've personally felt, you know, if I'm not fixing computers and if I'm not teaching the website team how to do what's right or teaching yeah. Everett how to get into Facebook business analytics and see how the data works, like if I'm not doing these activities because I was taught as a child, motor action equals work, right? It equals success. Right. And then not that the application of intelligent strategy against leverage points in a business to maximize profit equals success. Then I'm going to automatically operate according to that and I'm going to lower my self-worth again and not be accountable to what's truly most important. And furthermore, the growth of the business, if it's dependent on me as a visionary, depends on my willingness and ability to give myself permission to dream bigger, which I'm not going to do if I'm cleaning my fucking carpets.
1: And you have to be available to be with other visionary and other strategic successful business owners. Mm -hmm. And I think another breakdown, the lower priority activity is like brilliant. That's probably the number one thing I see people do constantly. I get on a coaching call and they're doing, they're building their webinar, they're writing their book, they're doing the shit they don't need to be doing. It's all hireable. And they're not spending enough time in higher thinking conversations about success and modeling and what what you're doing. Yeah. And not enough international either. Like there's too many geo-targeted. Like, I don't, you know, Canada's a safe little world, but America's not. America's like...
2: And travel widens perspective. I mean, traveling simply to have different experiences changes the brain.
1: Completely. And to live in different cultures, Mm -hmm. like live in them, not just visit them. Yeah.
2: So if there's one thing you want to communicate to the audience, what would that be? What's the one message you want to make sure that you leave every person that you touch with?
1: Trust yourself.
2: Trust yourself. I was going to, mine would be give yourself permission. Give yourself permission to do something great. Well, expect
1: to be held accountable expect to be held accountable because you are your results are in your bank account yeah, okay. and yeah the feedback's already in your life so yeah. it's, it's either you, and I think be responsible for it like you created it
2: whatever it is you created it mm-hmm. take accountability set better mm-hmm. goals incremental steps believe in yourself no low priority shit and stop doing low priority shit I really like the way you language that no more low priority shit it's critical sit in front of the bus not the back yeah okay cool thanks You're for awesome. spending some time with me
1: thank you